I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, I don't know what year the range came into existence, but I know it wasn't 1984. It's high noon for Friday, July 30th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcouture.com. If that doesn't work because your browser's having issues, type in shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 191st day of Barack Obama's third term, as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You did everything you could to believe every single thing they told you. And it still hasn't worked. That little pain inside your head has not stopped at all. It didn't stop on November 4th. It didn't stop on November 7th. It didn't stop on January 20th. And it hasn't stopped now. In fact, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And every time you believe another one of the slogans, it gets a little worse again. But you haven't figured out yet, somehow, that the problem is the slogans. The problem is you forcing yourself to believe them, even though they don't make sense right next to one another. And I know that a whole lot of commies don't read books, or maybe they read them a long time ago and they don't remember the point of them. But what's happening right now is exactly what Orwell wrote about in 1984. And I'm talking about Orwellian doublethink, okay? The idea that you are supposed to hold the lie and the truth in your head at the same time. And the purpose of that is controlled insanity. They want to put people on constant unstable ground so that they eventually just give up and do what they're told. And that's exactly what is happening in our culture right now, okay? In the last five days, just this week, the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the media have been engaged in a relentless assault on the sanity of the American citizen. And it's not us. Again, it's not us they're attacking. I mean, they're certainly trying to, but we're already used to this. 
Okay, we don't just go and believe the nonsense that they're spewing out right now. They're telling people simultaneously that the vaccine is safe and effective. While also saying. That you will get just as sick from the very scary variant if you are vaccinated as you would if you were not vaccinated. So what could it mean for the vaccine to be effective? And they've scaled that definition down as well to the point where it is no longer what anyone would call a vaccine. If the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting the disease, it doesn't stop you from having a serious case of the disease. If it doesn't stop you from dying from the disease, then it's not a vaccine. It's like you didn't take anything at all. In fact, it's exactly like if what you took made it worse. That's what's happening. And they're telling people that's what happened. But then they're also telling them that they need to keep encouraging people to get the vaccine. In fact, they need to force it. That's how important it is. The very scary variant is so very scary that everyone needs to take the very effective vaccine. Because if not everyone takes it, then the very scary variant will ravage the entire society. But not the entire society, because we know not that many people are dying from COVID. And we don't know anyone, really, who has it. They are bringing in thousands of people every day and not testing them and sending them to particular places around the country that then become orange and red zones. There's so much virus there. CNN was this morning saying that Louisiana had the highest number of cases per capita and that, quote, hospitals struggle with the surge, except that's not true. The reason that hospitals are dealing with capacity issues is because they're understaffed. It's not because there's too many COVID patients in the hospital or in ICU or anywhere else. And we know how they generate these statistics. So no one with a full knowledge of the situation could possibly believe the media's narrative. But the commies are still repeating it. And they're repeating both sides of it as if both sides can simultaneously be true, even while they know they're not. That's the controlled insanity that allows the communist regime to control the citizens. That's the point. The point is certainly not to give people a coherent understanding of what's happening in the country vis-a-vis -vis the coronavirus. They could just do that if they wanted. They could be honest about the statistics, but they won't be honest. They'll just generate narratives and tell everyone it's the science so they can't check. There are people who check, though, and these are the people that I was following on Twitter last year before I got kicked off. But there are actually people that get in touch with the hospitals find out what the actual situation on the ground is. And then they communicate that outwardly. And we receive that information. And then we say, wow, 
they're really trying to pull this off again. They're going to try to lie us back into lockdowns. I'm actually starting to wonder if they are going for all these mitigation measures because they're not ready to have the fight about forcing vaccination on school children, which is obviously, I understand, completely sick. Okay, we don't need to get hung up on that stuff. I understand it as well as anyone else. It is horrible what they are doing right now to children and to the parents of these children having to even put them in the situation they're being put in. And I promise I will get off COVID next week. But I really want to try to make this clear because this is one of those points where I think a lot of Biden voting communists will begin to make themselves redeemable. This is too much for some people to bear. Okay, again, there is a big, big chunk of the country, 25 to 30 percent of the people who are just going to go right along repeating the slogans, no matter how ridiculous the slogans become, no matter how contradictory they become, they are committed to the slogans. They will not let go of the slogans because without the slogans, they are nobody and nothing. They are just this person who doesn't know anything, who spent the last 15 months bullying their friends and family and promoting authoritarian policies against the entire nation. That's who they are, minus the slogans. Okay, if the slogans go away, they have to face that reality and they're not going to do that. But there are some people who are breaking away from that group. Six months ago, they were 100% in. And they've been lied to and lied to and lied to and tricked and exploited and insulted. Because ultimately, once the exploitation stops working, that's when the insult begins to be felt. Okay? All of these people, that yes, they are ignorant. Yes, they are clueless. And yes, they should have put more thought into this much sooner. But they are still realizing what has been happening to them. And they are moving on from that. And so for those people, I would love to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. If you don't want to feel insane anymore, all you have to do is stick around for the next 50 minutes and try not to get offended as I say things you don't like about some of your most deeply held beliefs, or so you think. Because the truth is, none of these beliefs are deeply held. You do not hold your own beliefs deeply, commies. I can prove it to you, but I don't need to because you can just look at yourself and understand that there is not one single thing that you know about any relevant public issue that you can actually support with facts in the face of scrutiny. And that's why you cordon yourselves off 
into these tiny little bubbles and only allow people who agree with you inside. You know that they won't ask you questions you can't answer. And if they do, they'll never demand answers or you can simply get mad at them and insult them and end the conversation. But one thing you're not going to do is provide answers. And the reason you're not going to provide answers is because you don't have answers. All you did was memorize the slogans. Having the slogan statistics behind that, believing that you can support your slogans with the statistics that you were told as well, does not actually make the slogans any more correct and it doesn't make you any more thoughtful. You're just repeating longer slogans. So congratulations, you memorized more slogans. If the beliefs you say you have were actually deeply held, you wouldn't be afraid to defend them. You wouldn't be afraid of people asking you questions. And you wouldn't be afraid of being proven wrong because you could simply choose to learn new things or ask more questions of the person with different information. And then you might advance in your understanding. And that is what I'm trying to help you with, Redeemable Communist. So please do stick around, because we actually do need you. And all of us on this side, the scary ones, the stupid ones, we actually want you to come back to this side. We want you to migrate back to America. You gotta leave the stupid and evil, child-brained, rock-dumb communist ideas behind. And... You're going to have to make some amends, and you know why, because you're the one who did it. But after that, come on back to America, Kami. Let's go ahead and get into what is making you so crazy. And remember, this stuff is designed to make you crazy, all right? They are promoting division. They want you fighting with us. They want us fighting with you and they hope it leads to street violence and riots and it's not a stretch to say they hope for a civil war because they need to justify somehow in a way that people will believe all of the things they want to do they need a justification we are not going to provide them that justification so they're hoping, commies, that they can make you crazy enough to do it for them. Now, this is from The Blaze. Last night, this is Paul Saka. U.S. Surgeon General recommends fully vaccinated people wear masks outdoors to protect the unvaccinated. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy is recommending that fully vaccinated individuals wear face masks outdoors to protect the unvaccinated. Murthy made the suggestion during an appearance on MSNBC where he said fully vaccinated individuals wearing masks indoors and outdoors was an extra step of protection to unvaccinated people. Got that? So maskies, vaxies, and masky vaxies are now being told that they have to protect 
people that they have also been told to hate. You know how infuriated they're going to be to hear that and still have to, quote, follow the science? This is going to break commie brains. And some of those broken brains will be like, oh, wow, I've been so wrong this whole time. And those people will migrate back to America. The other ones, those people are signing up for the Nazi party. MSNBC anchor Andrea Mitchell asked Murthy about breakthrough cases, specifically the possibility of a fully vaccinated person being infected with COVID-19 and spreading the virus to unvaccinated individuals, such as young children or immunocompromised adults. Got that? So they are worried about young children who can't get vaccinated. Oh, how cruel. How cruel it is that they can't be saved from the disease that can't kill them. Also, immunocompromised adults. So the people that we're most concerned about are the unvaccinated. Murthy responded to the question from the cable TV host. For example, if you happen to have a lot of interaction with folks who are unvaccinated, let's say you're a parent like me who has young children at home who are not vaccinated. That's a circumstance where we're being extra cautious and wearing that mask, even if you're fully vaccinated, wearing it outside when you're in public indoor locations is an extra step to protecting those at home. Wait, sorry, what? You have to protect your unvaccinated children as a vaccinated person by wearing a mask outside where COVID doesn't transmit and indoors in public places. Got it? So you don't have to wear it indoors in your house around the unvaccinated children as a vaccinated person. You have to do it when you go out in public with those same children in a situation where they are far less likely to transmit disease to you or get the disease from you. You got that? So at home, it's safe. But not at home, got to wear the mask for the kids. And put the mask on the kids too. That'll provide that extra step of protection. Got that, commies? Doesn't have to happen at home, even though the same people can infect you and you can infect the same people. The home is not the primary place of spread. Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? The, the home is the number one place of spread? Oh, thank God I have uh, my imaginary producer over on the side who just reminded me that the home is actually the number one place of spread, okay? And by home, that also accounts for long-term uh, living facilities, nursing homes. These were the places where spread happened the most up to this point. Home and in nursing homes, long-term care facilities. But Vivek says you don't need to wear a mask there to protect your unvaccinated children who are so at risk. I want to emphasize, though, that if you are vaccinated, the likelihood of having a breakthrough infection is still low because, again, the vaccines are working to help prevent infection, particularly serious infection. Even though Anthony Fauci just said three days ago, that's not what they're doing. 
But in the unusual event that a breakthrough does happen, we know transmission can take place. Oh, transmission can take place if there's a breakthrough infection? Well, no shit, Vivek. How else could it have happened? So that's why, especially when you have a lot of virus circulating in a community, it's important to take that extra step, go that extra mile, wear that mask in indoor settings outside the house so you don't contribute to transmission. The Surgeon General said a lot of virus circulating in a community. And how do you know there's a lot of virus circulating in communities? Oh, well, you just look at the map that they made up and see if it's red or orange. And if it's red or orange, then there's a lot of virus circulating in the communities. Do they decide this and measure this based on hospitalizations or deaths or anything like that? No, no, they don't do that. They just make it up. And then you're supposed to go and check and see, hey, am I in a red place? Am I in an orange place? Am I in a yellow place? Well, guess I'm just going to have to wear this mask. Better safe than sorry. Wake up, commies. You're embarrassing yourselves. At some point, you have to know that Everyone else around you sees you and sees what you're doing, okay? You think anybody's going to forget in the future what you're doing? Maybe it's time to consider, commies, that you might be wrong about things you don't know anything about, all right? I know it's hard to hear, okay? Search your soul, search your brain. You know, Kami, that you do not know what you're talking about. And you would never, ever see someone like me in a public setting. Like, let's say we were having a dinner party, 10 of us around the table. If you knew that I know what I know, your mouth is silent. Why is that? Because you know I'll destroy you. That's why you don't talk about it. Because you know you're going to get embarrassed. When people like me aren't around, oh, you'll say all the slogans and all the other people will be like, hey, nice slogan. Did you hear mine? And then you feel very, very smart and very, very knowledgeable. But search your soul. Search your brain. You don't know First thing about any of it. You are embarrassing yourselves. And did you hear that last part of that quote? Vivek Murthy, the fake administration's fake surgeon general, wants to be sure that you know if you're not doing what he tells you to do, you might be contributing to transmission. You got to do all that stuff, he says, so you don't contribute to transmission, right? You don't want to be like the communist idiot Michael Rappaport. You don't want to think of yourself as a super spreader. 
Because the super spreaders, those are the bad people. And you're not the bad people. Are you? Right, Kami? You're not the bad person. You don't want to think about that, though, right? Don't think about it too deeply. Don't think about it too deeply, Kami. I know you won't, so we're safe. But don't think about it too deeply. Because if you think about it too deeply, you might be like, wow, I don't know anything. And I'm still doing all this stuff. Maybe I am the bad person. Yeah, Kami, you're the bad person. You are the Nazi who says five years down the line, five years from now, you will be telling people, ah, you know, I was just following the science. We were all just following the science. Hey, Kami, I hope that excuse works when you have to tell it to your own children. How about that, Kami? Why don't you think about that? What are you going to say to your own children when they learn real history and they understand that you're on the Nazi side? Think about that, Kami. Mitchell brought up the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's new guidance that vaccinated people need to wear masks indoors in high transmission areas and asked Murthy if the new recommendation would hurt efforts to get more Americans vaccinated. Murthy said vaccines, quote, save lives. They reduce severe disease extraordinarily successfully, and they reduce the likelihood that you will get sick and transmit the virus to others. Okay. Have we heard enough this week, just this week, Kami, to understand that what he is saying is not true and cannot be true? Okay, if we can get to that point, that is a good start. But that doesn't get us all the way there, because let's read what he said again. It saves lives. There's no proof that's true. It reduces severe disease extraordinarily successfully. No, it doesn't. The effectiveness rate is lower, the efficacy rate is lower than your body's own immune system. And that was when they were giving the original statistics. In Israel now, they think the efficacy rate is down to about 39%. That's not what you were told, is it? What is the standard of extraordinarily successfully we're to be looking for here? They've told you it doesn't prevent you from getting the Delta variant. And they've told you that because you are vaccinated, if you get the Delta variant, not that they know what the Delta variant is, you can have just as high a viral load as if you had never been vaccinated and you got infected with OG COVID. So how's that? How's that, Kami? He says they reduce the likelihood that you will get sick and transmit the virus to others. That's what the vaccines do. Except they don't do that. And they've told you over and over and over again, they don't do that. Murthy noted, the new CDC guidance doesn't, quote, erase extraordinary progress we made and this extra layer of protection with masks will help us reduce this threat of Delta, which again is an extraordinarily contagious version. Extraordinarily contagious. That's interesting. It doesn't seem to be worse than last year. It's been around for months and months around the world. India had that very scary spike. Remember, we saw pictures of people dead in the streets. Yeah, fine. Those pictures were from not from the Delta variant, not even from COVID. They were just pictures. But commies believed it. Hey, commies, what's happening in India? Are they going to get through this or 
But you just keep on believing, huh? Major cities in some states have already adopted the CDC's guidance and re-implemented face mask mandates, even for Americans who are vaccinated. During the interview, Murthy was asked about the possibility of COVID-19 booster shots. We are following cohorts or groups of individuals in various settings, nursing homes, medical professionals, and others to see if there is a decline in immunity and an increase in breakthrough rates, Murthy stated. If there is, as soon as we see that, we will make a recommendation on boosters, and the good news is that we will have the supply available to provide that to the public. But at this point, based on the collective data, the recommendation is not to have boosters implemented so far. Oh, got it. Okay, so it's unlikely that we're going to have to deal with COVID boosters. But thank goodness they have already made the COVID boosters. They're just doing it in case. Isn't that amazing? Billion dollar pharmaceutical companies are making the booster shots on their own expense, of course, just in case. And remember, the vaccines are free. I mean, you know, not to administer and not to deliver and not to make. You know, our, our government has to actually pay for all that. We don't see the price, though, so it's all good. Don't worry. It's probably not too much. They're probably not overcharging for any of it. Remember, it's free. So who gives the government money to pay for the free shots? Did you think of it yet, Kami? Is it Bill Gates? No, no, it's not. It's American taxpayers, isn't it? And they're going to just finance this on uh, debt for future generations. It's already 30 trillion. They're about to spend 5 trillion more. You think we're getting a good deal? Think it's going to be okay, Kami? Not going to be any big deal. You're fine. You get to watch Netflix. You get to eat Uber Eats. No problem, right, Kami? No problem. Tweet at Don Lemon again. He's listening. Can't imagine this getting any worse, can you, Kami? Well, hey, here's the uh, New York Post from this morning. This is Lee Brown. Critics cast doubt on alarming new Delta variant findings from CDC. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reportedly altered its mask guidance after a report found the Delta COVID-19 variant spreads as easily as chickenpox, possibly even among the vaccinated. But critics have ripped it as misleading and based on weak data. The widely ridiculed change in mask policy followed an internal CDC presentation first obtained by the Washington Post that claimed that it was time to, quote, acknowledge the war has changed, end quote. The leaked report compiled of several different studies claimed that the variant causes more severe illness among the unvaccinated and is more transmissible than Ebola, flu and even the common cold, regardless of vaccination status. Oh, Well, that sounds very, very scary. This is the very, very scariest variant so far. The Delta strain is now the most dominant one in the United States. Delta variant vaccine breakthrough cases may be as transmissible as unvaccinated cases, the report claims. The unidentified authors insisted that it is now time for experts to stop claiming that breakthrough infections were, quote, rare even arguing that, quote, universal masking is essential, end quote, given the spread amongst those vaccinated. 
universal masking is essential, even if you're vaccinated. And even though masks don't work, you retarded communists. The presentation was based largely on unpublished research, the Washington Post noted, with warnings in large red type, also noting that it was, quote, preliminary data subject to change, end quote. Got that? The data is subject to change because they only got it within the last few days. It's brand new data. The new data has come in subject to change, of course, because who knows what we're going to need to tell these communist retards tomorrow. It was quickly panned by critics who noted the vague data used in raising the alarm. Democrats are basing their new mask mandate on a hundred person study from India, tweeted Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. It didn't pass peer review and uses vaccines that aren't approved in America. This is the science they are using to control Americans, he wrote. The presentation did mention studies in India, although also referenced research of a community spread in Massachusetts, as well as work in Los Angeles, Scotland, Singapore, and Israel. Texas Representative Dan Crenshaw, Romney, also insisted that the CDC has presented no data showing vaccinated people are spreading COVID infections, despite the suggestions in the report. If you're vaccinated, you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than dying of COVID, the former SEAL and current Romney tweeted. Our government, now considering lockdowns, has lost its effing mind, he said. And it goes on and on and on. You can read it. New York Post today, Lee Brown. Now, this part is speculation. This is from a website called Conservative Treehouse. And this is the moment where communists and redeemable communists go, but my sources, what are your sources? Can this be real information if I don't recognize the URL? Ah! Come on, child brains. Step it on up. You need to have different thoughts in your head. If you don't want to believe them, you don't have to. If you want to check them out, you can. If you check them out and you still don't believe them, then you can think I'm wrong. All of that is okay, Kami, because you are an independent thinker. That is your job. Your job is not to agree with me and not to agree with the slogans. Your job is to think. This is from last night. Report CDC expected to announce tomorrow that COVID vaccines don't work on Delta variant. Hence, White House credits Trump with vaccine today. Now, what you have, Kami, is a statement that you can falsify. If they don't come out and say that today, then you know this isn't right. Although, if they come out and say it on Monday or Tuesday, you should think back and be like, you know what? Conservative treehouse was off by a couple of days, but they were still, you know, right. Okay? That's how to use your brain, commies. The White House would never credit Donald Trump with the vaccine rollout unless there was something negative about the vaccine that is going to hit the news wires. That is a no-brainer. Now, that is a premise that implies speculation, commies. Are they right about that? I guess we'll see. But the reasoning they just gave is pretty solid. 
That baseline is why conservative Treehouse said two months ago to watch for the moment when the White House credits Trump with the vaccine, because that's the moment when one, the vaccine was going to be identified as dangerous and or two reports would show the vaccine did not work. Today, the White House credited President Trump with the vaccine. And this is a tweet they show from Kimberly Klasick, who ran for Congress last year. She wrote, breaking, President Joe Biden just credited President Trump with the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, now, the point here is not whether or not Trump was responsible for the vaccine. The point here is that you need to notice the narrative shift, okay? When they start telling you something different, there is always a reason why. And right on cue, the late evening reporting indicates that tomorrow the CDC will announce the vaccine doesn't work against the Delta variant. Hence the need for masks, social distancing, and or possibly lockdowns 2.0. Remember, when the intelligence branch needs to get the public relations engaged, they use the New York Times. This is from the Times. New research showed that vaccinated people infected with the Delta variant carry tremendous amounts of the virus in the nose and throat. She said in an email responding to questions from the New York Times, and the she here is Rochelle Walensky. The finding contradicts what scientists had observed in vaccinated people infected with previous versions of the virus who mostly seemed incapable of infecting others. That didn't happen, okay? They made that up. That conclusion dealt Americans a heavy blow. People with so-called breakthrough infections, cases that occur despite full vaccination of the Delta variant, may be just as contagious as unvaccinated people, even if they have no symptoms. Again, symptoms imply contagiousness. There is no asymptomatic spread. All right. Maybe it happens in rare instances. But otherwise, it doesn't exist. Now, what they do say happens in those rare instances is pre-symptomatic transmission. Okay, this is at the onset of the disease and of expressing the disease through symptoms. Bottom line of this narrative shift, vaccinations don't work. Everything goes back to square one. Blame Trump, not us. There is also data showing that COVID hospitalizations offer no distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated. And in the example of L.A. County, the percentage of vaccinated people hospitalized with COVID is identical to the percentage of vaccinated people in the general population. Seventy percent of population vaccinated, 70 percent of COVID hospitalization patients are vaccinated. The vaccine offers no benefit from the standing of hospitalization, or so it appears in San Francisco. 77% of the population is vaccinated and 83% of the COVID hospitalizations at University of California, San Francisco Hospital are previously vaccinated. And by the way, they link to all these sources. Again, highlighting the vaccine offers no benefit from the standpoint of hospitalization. Additionally, there's data from a recent Pfizer study, pre-release here, linked, where 44,000 patients were studied, 22,000 were given the vaccine, and 22,000 received the placebo. The results amid both groups were almost identical. Two COVID deaths in 22,000 for non-vaxxed. A death rate of 0.0091%. And one COVID death out of 
22,000 for the vaccinated group. Death rate, 0.0045%. In essence, COVID is not that dangerous and has a very high survival rate depending on comorbidities or pre-existing medical issues. So what does all this jumbled mess really add up to? If we can predict pretty accurately, based entirely on political ideology and a review of the calendar, what will happen around the COVID mitigation narrative, which we have been doing for over a year, then that means the politics of COVID is what's driving the actions of those who are using COVID. Politics is driving the narrative. Here's a high-level overview of what it appears to be. COVID is essentially a bad flu virus that targets the respiratory system, hence SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. It is dangerous if you have pre-existing conditions, but not more dangerous than the regular flu virus for people with those same pre-existing conditions. We have flu shots every year, but we don't mandate them. And we don't shut down businesses to avoid the flu. And we don't close society and or shut down commerce. And we don't destroy schools and education and force people to wear masks to avoid the flu virus. However, in order to weaponize COVID for political benefits, to include mail-in ballot fraud and rebuilding society, the ruse of fear must be maintained. The fear of COVID is that ruse. Now, all of the data and the reason that backs up the speculation there is legitimate. Is the speculation legitimate? We will see. Okay. Hey, redeemables. It's totally okay that you just had all those thoughts put into your head. Okay. You're going to be all right. Cause what you're going to do with those thoughts is see whether or not they end up mapping onto reality. All right. That's all you have to do. And if it doesn't, you discard it just like you would with a weather forecast. If the weatherman says it's going to be sunny and it ends up being cloudy, you don't call the weatherman a conspiracy theorist, right? Stop being the idiot they want you to be. Now let's go straight to the source, shall we? Let's go to the CDC and see what they have to say about the variants, okay? This document is from cdc.gov, all right? It's not even a document. It's a web page. It's there right now. You can look at it. SARS-CoV-2 Variant Classifications and Definitions, updated July 27th, 2021. That is three days ago. This is the most current information the CDC is supplying. Key points. Genetic variants of SARS-CoV-2 have been emerging and circulating around the world throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. All right? You didn't hear about earlier variants. You're hearing about the very scary variant. The very scary variant became very scary after the vaccines. Viral mutations and variants in the United States are routinely monitored through sequence-based surveillance, laboratory studies, and epidemiological investigations. All right? Epidemiological investigations. What does that mean? It means whatever they want it to mean. Okay? The epidemiologists make their projections, and then they say, the Delta variant is spreading here. It's spreading there. We can trace this contact back to India. And we called that person 
a carrier of Delta variant. And so now the spread has ended up here. Look at the orange zones on the map. That's how you can see what the very smart, very responsible epidemiologists have produced for you. A U.S. government SARS-CoV-2 interagency group, SIG, developed a variant classification scheme that defines three classes of SARS-CoV-2 variants. Okay, the first is a variant of interest, a variant with specific genetic markers that have been associated with changes to receptor binding, reduced neutralization by antibodies generated against previous infection or vaccination, reduced efficacy of treatments, potential diagnostic impact, or predicted increase in transmissibility or disease severity. All right. Possible attributes of variant of interest. Specific genetic markers that are predicted to affect transmission, diagnostics, therapeutics, or immune escape. This is weird because they've told us that there really aren't any therapeutics, and that's why we have the vaccine on an emergency use authorization. But let's forget about that for now. Let's go to the second bullet point. Evidence that it is the cause of an increased proportion of cases or unique outbreak clusters. All right? That's all they need to define a variant of interest. Something about the outbreak or the proportion of cases is unique or concerning. And so that's how you know you have a variant. Limited prevalence or expansion in the U.S. or in other countries. So it's just of interest, okay? It's not of concern because it might be in some other country. A variant of interest might require one or more appropriate public health actions, including enhanced sequence surveillance, enhanced laboratory characterization, or epidemiological investigations to assess how easily the virus spreads to others, the severity of the disease, the efficacy of therapeutics, and whether currently authorized vaccines offer protection. Current variants of interest in the United States that are being monitored and characterized are listed below. This will be updated when a new variant of interest is identified. Okay, and so then they have the characteristics down here and they have the labels of the variants. These are the variants of interest. All right. You can look more deeply at how they describe each variant. The Epsilon variant was first identified in California. That is a variant of interest. The Ada variant was first identified in the United Kingdom and Nigeria, but that was from December 2020. The IOTA variant was first identified in New York in November 2020. The Kappa variant was first identified in India in December 2020. And now let's jump down to a variant of concern. A variant for which there is evidence of an increased transmissibility, more severe disease, for example, increased hospitalizations or deaths, Significant reduction in neutralization by antibodies generated during previous infection or vaccination, reduced effectiveness of treatments or vaccines, or diagnostic detection failures. Possible attributes of a variant of concern include evidence of impact on diagnostics, treatments, or vaccines. Got it? So they can infer that because the treatments or vaccines aren't working as well, it must be a variant. Widespread interference with diagnostic test targets, even though the tests don't work. 
evidence of substantially decreased susceptibility to one or more class of therapies. Again, that is an inference and a subjective judgment. Evidence of significant decreased neutralization by antibodies generated during previous infection or vaccination. Evidence of reduced vaccine-induced protection from severe disease. Variants of concern might require one or more appropriate public health actions, such as a, a notification to WHO under the International Health Regulations, reporting to CDC, local or regional efforts to control spread, increased testing, or research to determine the effectiveness of vaccines and treatments against the variant. Based on the characteristics of the variant, additional considerations may include the development of new diagnostics or the modification of vaccines or treatments. Current variants of concern in the United States that are being closely monitored and characterized by federal agencies are included in the below. This table will be updated when a new variant of concern is identified. Variants of concern. The alpha variant that was first identified in the UK. The beta variant that was first identified in South Africa. The delta variant. The very scary variant. First identified in India and its attributes are increased transmissibility. That's how you know if it's the Delta variant, you got it. Potential reduction in neutralization by some EUA monoclonal antibody treatments. Oh, so they know it's the Delta variant because the monoclonal antibodies don't work against it. That's interesting. Potential reduction in neutralization by post-vaccination Sarah. Got it? So those are the attributes of the very scary variant, and that's how they figure out you have it. So alpha, beta, gamma, and delta are all variants of concern in the United States of America, according to the CDC. Okay, now let's check out the third category, variant of high consequence. A variant of high consequence has clear evidence that prevention measures or medical countermeasures have significantly reduced effectiveness relative to previously circulating variants. All right, this is what they're going to call it when nothing is working. And by the way, let's just remember that when the original COVID came out, we did absolutely nothing at all until the middle of March 2020. The virus had already been in America and circulating in November of 2019. All right. So even if we're going to be extremely conservative about when the first real case was. And we don't have to be conservative because we do have the information. But we lived at least three and a half to five plus months with COVID in our midst, not doing one single thing, not one thing, not one single thing. Okay? Concerts? Yep. Super Bowl? Sure. Want to go to the gym? Yes. Restaurant? Okay. Bar? Yep. Party? Sure. School? Yes. Sporting event? Of course. Have at it. That's it. We did nothing. We did nothing. And that variant is still listed as a variant of concern, just like the very scary variant is. Possible attributes of a variant of high consequence. In addition to the possible attributes of a variant of concern. Okay, so this is more stuff beyond the last categorization. Impact on medical countermeasures. 
demonstrated failure of diagnostics. Well, we can already demonstrate the failure of diagnostics. So that standard is utter nonsense. Evidence to suggest a significantly. I mean. Fix your typos, CDC. Evidence to suggest a significant reduction in vaccine effectiveness, a disproportionately high number of vaccine breakthrough cases or very low vaccine induced protection against severe disease. So you can see what road we're on, can't you? How long until they change the classification of the Delta variant to be a variant of high consequence? Significantly reduce susceptibility to multiple emergency use authorization or approved therapeutics. Well, the only emergency use authorizations they have are for vaccines, which aren't vaccines, and for masks, which absolutely do not work. And there is no data anywhere in the world to suggest otherwise. And the last attribute is more severe clinical disease and increased hospitalizations. Okay. And that statement is meant to be understood as relative to the other variants, right? This is an attribute of differentiation between variants. A variant of high consequence would require notification to WHO, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So it says in a highlighted yellow box, Currently, there are no SARS-CoV-2 variants that rise to the level of high consequence that is on the CDC's own site. The Delta variant is listed as a variant of concern right next to Alpha, Beta, and Gamma. Is the media and are your corrupt public health officials telling you that the very scary variant is actually just the same as the original variants? No, they're not. They're telling you the very scary variant is very scary. And it's so very scary that your very effective vaccine will no longer work. And that is going to push it to a variant of high consequence. Eventually they'll tell us all that. Oh my God, it's become a variant of high consequence. Now we must lock down. And you commies will take their word for it. And the last point on this page, viruses constantly change through mutation. A variant has one or more mutations that differentiate it from other variants in circulation. As expected, multiple variants of SARS-CoV-2 have been documented in the United States and globally throughout this pandemic. To inform local outbreak investigations and understand national trends, scientists compare genetic differences between viruses to identify variants and how they are related to each other. Okay, and so when they wrote the United States, that is a link. You go to the link and it says this is an article from April. U.S. COVID-19 cases caused by variants. All right. Right at the top. This page will no longer be updated after April 12th, 2021. Current data showing the prevalence of variants in the United States is available in the COVID data tracker. Okay, so we head over to the good old COVID data tracker. And here is the first paragraph there. CDC's National Genomic Surveillance Program identifies new and emerging SARS-CoV-2 variants to determine implications for COVID-19 diagnostics, treatments and vaccines authorized for use in the United States. Monitoring the spread of emerging variants in the United States relies on widespread rapid sequencing. 
to accelerate sequencing in the United States, CDC contracted with commercial diagnostic laboratories, along with partnering with the Association of Public Health Laboratories. CDC's collaborative approach with these organizations implemented the National SARS-CoV-2 Strain Surveillance Program to provide a comprehensive and population-based U.S. surveillance system. Got it? So let's find out a little bit more about the surveillance of the variants. This is also from the CDC, published on June 11th, 2021. Genomic surveillance for SARS-CoV-2 variants circulating in the United States, December 2020 through May 2021. You check out this document. You go down just a little bit to where they have discussion at the bottom. Okay. Second paragraph, the findings in this report are subject to at least four limitations. First, although U.S. SARS-CoV-2 genomic sequencing has rapidly expanded in volume and in geographic coverage since late 2020, assessments of the national and regional representativeness of sequence data are needed. Okay, so that's not there, or at least it wasn't a month and a half ago. Second. Although the weighting and variance estimation methods used for this analysis adjust these data to generate population-based estimates of variance proportions and quantify uncertainty, the methods assume that within strata and clusters, sequence reporting is random. This assumption might be inaccurate. The true representativeness of sequenced specimens within each jurisdiction is unknown. Oh, well, that sounds like It makes it a lot harder to say for sure what's happening. Linking sequencing with epidemiologic data, for example, from the national case-based surveillance might provide a better understanding of representativeness so that specimen selection and weighting methods can be further adjusted as needed. Analysis at state and local levels have demonstrated the utility of linking sequencing with sentinel or population-based surveillance data to characterize new SARS-CoV-2 variants. Third, sequencing data from many state and local public health laboratories that are conducting SARS-CoV-2 surveillance sequencing apart from NS3, that's the National SARS-CoV-2 Strain Surveillance. Okay, we just talked about that in the last document are not yet available for inclusion in national estimates. Efforts to integrate such state and local genomic surveillance data into national surveillance and further improve national and regional surveillance are in progress. Finally, as sequence data become more complete over time, national and regional weighted estimates might change. And check this out. If you go over to the Association of Public Health Laboratories, you can see the submission guidelines to the CDC for positive specimens so that they can do the surveillance on the variants. All right. And if you go down to the fifth bullet point, considerations for selecting NS3 specimens, A is the quality of the specimen directly affects sequencing and virus culture success. Ideally, specimens should have an RT-PCR cycle threshold value of equal to or less than 28. Got that? So the sample has to be taken with fewer than 28 as a cycle threshold for it to even be considered 
into this variant surveillance program. How many ways do we need them to tell us that this whole thing is a charade? Honestly, they've been testing with 35 and 40 cycles the entire time, generating case after case after case. And they know and have known the entire time that those aren't real cases. And let's check out Appendix 2. Weekly target number of national SARS-CoV-2 strain surveillance specimens requested for submission to CDC by jurisdiction. Jurisdictions are encouraged to submit specimens weekly and to prioritize those specimens collected in the previous seven days. If submitting every two weeks, please submit twice the number of specimens listed for your jurisdiction. The highest number of specimens they require, as you can imagine, based on population, is from California. How many specimens from California would you guess that they need to do this very high-level surveillance? If you guessed 35, you'd be lying because you didn't guess that. You probably thought it was thousands or at least hundreds, but 35 35 specimens in a week from California. That's how they're determining the prevalence of these variants after they use very specific tests and then push them through epidemiological models where they get a number. Thank goodness we have these geniuses guiding us. Now let's go down just a little further to section two, enhanced surveillance on emerging variants updated April 7th, 2021. Okay. There are some notes here in red, and I'm just going to quickly read these. As of April 12th, 2021, CDC is no longer requesting case notifications or submission of specimens of B117 variants. Okay. That's OG COVID. As of April 12th, 2021, CDC is no longer requesting case notifications or submission of specimens of B1351 variants. That's beta. As of April 12th, CDC is no longer requesting case notifications or submissions of specimens of P1 variants. That's gamma. Okay. That's the one from Japan and Brazil. So what are they saying here? What are they saying? They have four variants of concern, alpha, beta, gamma, and delta. And they are no longer interested in submissions of alpha, beta, or gamma. Is it any surprise that the models are saying the most predominant variant is delta? Now, I am not an epidemiologist. For one thing, I didn't invent a new field of study and then take a degree in it and then try to guide world policy on applied mathematics and some stuff I made up about human nature, which I, of course, don't understand because I've spent my entire life in a lab dreaming of the day when my pet theory might be tested on the world and have life or death consequences. I'm not that kind of person. So I don't have the keen understanding of human nature that epidemiologists must have to do their job accurately. 
It's strange, considering what's required of their job, that they are wrong all the time, isn't it? It's almost like applied mathematics informed by an understanding of human nature they simply do not possess is not going to yield productive results. And it's almost like people aren't robots. What else do we need to know about the very scary variants? They're not very scary. They're not even very known. Now, switching subjects because I don't want this to go as long as yesterday, although it's obviously already a little long. That's what she said. So last night, Mike Lindell pulled all my pillow ads from Fox News. Mike Lindell has made a commercial where he is advertising the cyber symposium on frankspeech.com. And he wanted to put that commercial on Fox News. Fox News refused to show his commercial. And it's probably because they're commies and Obamis and Romneys. But it might be because they are scared of Dominion. And so they are making themselves communists as a result of their fear. They do not have the fortitude to stand up to a frivolous lawsuit by Dominion. But regardless... Lindell has taken away his advertising dollars from Fox News, and that may well hurt sales for his business, although I kind of doubt it. And I think what Lindell did is pretty baller, actually. He basically said, really, Fox, you're not going to play this commercial? Okay, well, let's see who gets the best of this. All right. I accept your terms. Let's play the game and see who wins. Fox's brand among conservatives is going to be hurt far more than Lindell's company. That's my prediction. Lindell is also making a fairly safe bet considering how pot invested he is at this point, right? If he doesn't have the goods at the cyber symposium, if somehow his information is wrong or unsuitable, then the company's going to get crushed regardless. And he knows that. So he is making a move right here that could potentially crush Fox in the eyes of basically every conservative. No one at that station, at that channel, at that network is going to survive this, except obviously Tucker Carlson, maybe. How is anyone going to trust these people ever again? And what if Mike Lindell is right And Fox News chose not to cover this for six or seven months. And Fox News chose not to take advertising dollars because they would not show the cyber symposium, even the fact that it exists to their audience. That's how cucked and how weak Fox News is. Lindell is going to crush them. And this, what he just did by pulling those ads got him headlines all over the place. Wall Street Journal, big story about this. This is a huge move for Mike Lindell, and it's genius. I love it. And this is going to hurt Fox News more than it hurts Mike Lindell. Now, finally, there is this about the one and only most despicable son to ever walk the earth, Hunter Biden. This is from page six. Hunter Biden to art haters. Fuck them by Mara Siegler. This is from uh, last night. 
Hunter Biden has two words for those who think his artwork is overpriced. Fuck them. Eleven paintings by the president's son are being shown by the Georges Burgess Gallery, which has estimated the work at a whopping $75,000 to $500,000. According to the Washington Post, White House officials drafted a document to keep purchasers confidential, including from Hunter himself, to stave off efforts to curry favor with the administration. Can we pause just for a second to take note of how unbelievably obvious it is that this is a problem if they are creating policy just to pretend it isn't a problem. Hey, we got to make sure that everyone knows there's no way Hunter and Joe can sell the fake presidency of the United States of America for a relatively low price through the sale of Hunter Biden's crap art. When asked during an appearance on the Art World Fave podcast, Note Bene, what in the world, about his response to the hubbub and headlines over the prices and potential favor-seeking collectors, Biden quipped, other than fuck em? Biden told hosts, Vanity Fair art columnist Nate Freeman and curatorial services founder Benjamin Godsill, I never said what my art was going to cost or how much it would be priced at. I'd be amazed if my art had sold for $10 just because the first time you ever go about it is the idea someone is attracted to your art, let alone that they would pay something for it. Well, he sounds definitely smarter than Joe for sure. I mean, he is the smartest man Joe's ever met. The value of an artist's work is not necessarily determined by the price Biden muses. The price is completely subjective and sometimes has nothing to do with anything other than the moment. Well, if he was being honest, he would have said the price has nothing to do with anything other than the moment or the fact that people in China and the Ukraine need favors from the fake president. To make his point, Biden points to Maurizio Catalan's $120,000 work, Comedian for which the artist famously taped a banana to a wall with duct tape at 2019's Art Basel. Yeah, that might have been money laundering too. It means something, and it meant something to someone. I'm not saying I would be as audacious or as presumptuous as to tape a banana to a wall and try to sell it. But I think I'm doing stuff, he says, or at least I spent a lot of time, as my brother would say, focus on the beautiful thing. I spent a lot of energy on this. Oh, he sounds very artistic. Biden also admits that as the son of a prominent politician, he has a platform that other struggling artists don't. It's been the unfair advantage of my whole life at different levels, he says. My father has been a senator since the time I was two years old. It's a hell of a lot easier to get noticed, not only by the cop who pulls you over for speeding, but also by the school or whatever the endeavor may be or the law firm or the whatever. Or the Ukraine, or the prostitute, or the drug dealer, or the Secret Service agent who is still under the employ of my dad, even though that's illegal, or the FBI who got my laptop almost two years ago and has done absolutely nothing with it, even though there is extensive, irrefutable proof of multiple crimes against America and other people, individuals, all over it. Or all of those Chinese intelligence officials with the same compromising information that appears on my laptop. It's weird that he forgot to, to finish his sentence there. 
He continued, while at the same time, it has also made me realize if you don't come with the goods, it can be a really horrible experience. I don't do this lightly, and I don't do this without the knowledge that there are so many incredible artists that never get the chance to find a gallery or share their art with the world. I mean, Hunter is rock dumb. Biden is also aware that because of who he is, his work will be widely viewed, joking that he has gotten to, quote, Share it with the entire viewing audience of Fox News, OAN, and Newsmax. He said, quote, I think I am the most famous artist in the MAGA world. How in the world do people allow him on podcasts just to fluff him about his art? My God. And now wait, I have to mention one more thing before I go because it just popped up, okay? New York Post, support for January 6th Capitol riot probe slips after cops' emotional testimony, according to polls. This is from David Marcus, a writer for The Post and The Federalist, who used to be a Twitter pal of mine before I got banned. An emotional hearing this week in which police officers attacked in the Capitol riot testified before a House Select Committee investigating the events of January 6th turned more Americans against the need for the probe, according to a morning consult poll. Among voters of all parties, 53% supported the investigation, down from 66% in the survey in June and 58% just a week ago. Four out of five Democrats were in favor, while only a quarter of Republicans were, along with half of independents. Only 49% of those polled said they had watched all or even part of the committee hearing that dominated the news cycle on Tuesday. And the survey had more bad news for Speaker Pelosi, who appointed all of the members of the committee, including the two Republicans, Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. The number of voters who blamed the former president, Donald Trump, for the riot fell to 56 percent from 61 percent in June. And I'm going to skip ahead to the end. The last paragraph. Thursday's poll continues a downward trend in multiple surveys, with both CBS News and Rasmussen reporting declining interest in the investigation just days before the hearing. That's lovely, isn't it? Remember, everybody, we are winning. All the polls are going in our direction. Every single one about every single issue. People are waking up. People are turning off the mainstream media. People are coming to understand that they have been tricked and lied to, and they are saying they've had enough. Okay, this is what winning looks like. Do we wish it was over? Yes, but we are still winning. That is what getting tired of winning is. That's what's happening. Now, a couple days ago, I briefly interviewed Clay Clark. He wanted to come on the show and talk about the Reawaken America tour. So we had like a 20 minute conversation. I'm going to put it up this weekend as a bonus episode. It was basically like, just him doing his thing, letting everybody know about the tour and trying to drop a few red pills that people should look into. So look for that this weekend. Otherwise, I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. 
The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app, and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!